Um, and, and I wanna talk to you today about, about your heart. Is that okay? So I want you to go to Proverbs, and I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read a scripture to you. And I just think this message is gonna help you. I think it's going to maybe, uh, you know, when you only have 25, 30 minutes uh, to share, sometimes that's a good thing because it keeps you from running down some rabbit holes that you don't need to run down. Uh, sometimes it's tough because there are some things that maybe you feel like you left kind of hanging out there and you wanna tie up those loose ends. And so um, I wanna talk to you today about guarding your heart because not only does, does God want to heal your heart, he wants to teach you and train you how to, guard, how to guard your heart. And I wanna talk to you today just literally about how to guard your heart. Proverbs uh, chapter four, this is probably the most famous scripture about the heart that there is in scripture in the Bible. So Proverbs four, I'm gonna read 23 through 27, says this, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Uh, let's pray today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Uh, God, I just, want, I just want to thank you that you are, you are so good. Even though Duke keeps winning, we keep trusting you that at some point, God, you can laugh, it's okay, God. I pray like this all the time. He knows he's not mad at me right now. He's cool with this. But God, we just thank you. Your presence is here today. Uh, we can't do anything without you. We need you so so bad. We, we are so desperate for you today. Uh, some of us are here and some of us are in some of the greatest days of our lives and some people are here and they're in some of the darkest days of their life. No matter what our condition is, we all need you the same. We need you involved in every aspect. We need your presence. You are the air we breathe. You are the song that we sing. And like the song we did sing, this is all for you for your glory, your honor, and your fame. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. amen. You know, in the Old Testament, the word heart is used uh, around 800 times. Uh, but more than 200 times, uh, the heart being used deals specifically with your thought life, uh, with your emotions, uh, with your motives, uh, the why behind what you do, and the thing that, that guides you and leads you. That's why the Bible talks so much about the heart. When it talks about the heart, it's not just talking about the organ that's beating on the inside of you. Literally what scripture is talking about is, is your thoughts and your thoughts and your heart are so connected. That's why another famous scripture in Proverbs says this, Proverbs 23 and seven, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we understand that there's an important connection between our thought life, the way we think, our motives, um, the why behind what we do, and our heart. God is really clear about that. But we could say stuff like guard your heart, and we can look at that statement and say, well, what does that actually mean? And I think sometimes uh, we look at that and we think guard our heart, and we think specifically about relationships, and it's very true of relationships. And I think sometimes we 
uh, we have a guarded heart. And uh, because of that, you know, Scripture says guard your hearts. And so because of that, we can, we can live very isolated, lonely lives. And that's not the intention of the Scripture. The intention of the Scripture is not that we would isolate ourselves from people and in fear, like, oh my gosh, I can't let people in my life. I have to guard my heart. That's not really what it's saying there. So let me talk to you just a little bit today about how you guard your heart, how you guard your heart. First of all, we do need to discuss the idea of relationships because who gets in is very important. Um, it, it's, it's not just about who we keep out. <laughs> it's about who we, we let in. See, guards are not there to just keep people out. They're also there to interrogate the people who want to come in to decide whether or not they should come in, right? And so we put a guard. The, the Bible literally is saying not just guard your heart, but it's saying set watch over your heart. So you are not just watching uh, who you don't allow in, but you're being very careful with who you do allow in because it's very important uh, because when you give someone access to your heart, uh, it's, 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 when I say heart, remember I'm talking about the thought life and the thought life begins with, with the ear a lot of times what, what you hear. And I've said this before to you, whoever gets your ear shapes your life, right? So whoever has your heart, whoever, whoever's controlling your heart shapes your life. The Bible says this about God, that the heart of kings is in his hand. And, and like, like a body of water that he wants to go this way or that way, he controls it, right? So, so there's a flow to your life that's being controlled by whoever has your heart. It's very important who you give access to your heart. It's very important what you give access to your heart. Not just who, but, but what. And I don't wanna sound like an old school youth pastor who, who's preaching to you about the movies you watch and the music you listen to. But can I tell you, those things are very important. <laughs> you, you can't just keep junk in, junk in, junk in and expect good results in your life. In other words, you can go to the gym all you want, but if you keep eating Reese's cups and drinking Mountain Dew, it ain't gonna help you. You can go to church all you want, but if Monday through Saturday you're living like the devil, this ain't gonna help you. Can somebody say amen? All right, somebody. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to help. So you are, the, the reason your heart is so important also is because you are a human being more than that, you are a human becoming. You are a human becoming. You are always becoming something. There, there's, no, there's no neutrality when it comes to your heart. There's no sitting still when, you, when it comes to your heart. Your heart is always moving towards something. Your life is always moving towards something. You're, you're like a shark who cannot just sit still. You know, if a shark stops, it dies. So they keep moving, and they keep moving, and they keep moving. Your life, you are existentially a shark in the sense that you are always moving towards something. Your heart is not ever in neutral. You are always becoming something. And because you are always becoming something, it's very important that you guard your heart. You take responsibility for your heart because if you don't, somebody else will. If you don't, something else and somebody else will. So you have to take this very seriously. Have you ever tried to stop eating sugar? No. <laughs> have you ever? 
I just recently cut uh, soda out for like a day, and uh, <laughs> but no, I, I'm 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 again like this is like the 40th time in my life I'm off Mountain Dews, and uh, <laughs> it's been a few days, and and. If, if, if you're like me, you, you think the only thing that has sugar in it is the stuff that you know for sure has sugar in it. But if, 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 you, if you start to look at labels, you start to realize there's sugar in everything. And if I were to cut sugar out of my life, I would basically die. Like every food that sustains me would have to go, I would have to completely start over from scratch. Like, I, I don't even know what to do if I don't have high fructose corn syrup <laughs> in my life. And this is a problem. I didn't choose high fructose corn syrup. High fructose corn syrup chose me. It picked me when I was a kid, when my mom first gave me a drink of Coke. It picked me. I didn't pick it. And this is the thing about most of you, your heart is in the condition it's in, not just because of the things you've chosen, but because of some of the things that have been chosen for you. Some of the things you didn't choose, they chose you. And they're in your life, and now you have to take inventory of your heart. You have to take real heart consideration and look deep into the heart to say, how am, I, how am I leaving my heart out here exposed just for anybody to walk in, for anybody to come in, for anything to come in, why am I not paying close attention to the label, the warning label actually, <laughs> that's on the life of some of the people that are trying to get into my life? Why am I not paying to the warning label of some of the material that's trying to creep its way into my life? Do you remember when you used to listen to bad music when you were younger? You don't listen to that anymore? You remember? You remember on the front it said parental guidance, explicit lyrics? You remember that? Do you remember when Walmart used to sell the curse-free versions of all your albums? Oh, I thank God for Walmart. Because of Walmart, I could listen to Biggie and Tupac because I would be like, that's not, they're not saying it. And you knew it, like, even though it's bleep, you're still saying it in your head. It's still there. It doesn't mean it disappeared. You still think it. It's, it's, it's everything and everyone comes with a warning label. Like the cigarettes. They say, hey, I know you're enjoying this, but at some point in your life, this is gonna kill you. People come with warning labels. You can't always see them, but it's in, it's, sometimes it's all that baggage they carry into the relationship. You can't see the 14 suitcases from their 14 exes. You can't see the brokenness of their heart, but people come with a warning label. Relationships come with a warning label. The stuff that you consume, it comes with a warning label. You have no excuse. I tell my kids all the time, they go to, they go to the movie and they're like, Dad, I didn't know it was gonna have that in it. And I'm like, there's, there's a website out there that'll tell you what was in that so you didn't have to expose your heart to that. There's a warning label. Even the world puts a warning label on it. It's a rating system. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to tell you that what you can and cannot watch. I'm just telling you, if the world says it's too much for a 17-year-old, I'm, I'm just making a suggestion. All right, anyhow, 
Just, I'm just making a suggestion. So you have to guard your heart. You have to watch what you're taking in or you'll be like, you'll be like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> what is wrong with my child? Why won't they sleep at night? And you're like, that's because they keep drinking red Gatorade. You're like, but Gatorade is healthy, right? You watch the commercials and it's like these athletes running up and down the court and it's Gatorade. And you're like, I'm gonna give my, Gatorade, my kid Gatorade like for breakfast. What's that thing in Gatorade my wife hates? Is it that red, is it red 40? Is it that dye? It's like this dye in it and it makes Oliver boop, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It sets him on fire. You have to watch it. You have to be careful. Oliver has what many of you probably would call like restless leg syndrome. Um, his, uh, you, you remember when, uh, you wouldn't remember this because you were a baby, but you remember when you, when you had babies and uh, you'd like be laying them down in the crib and all of a sudden they would jump? That reflex in him is, is exaggerated. And so when, when, when he uh, sleeps at night, he, he has to have like uh, heavy stuff on him because he, he, he just jumps and twitches constantly. And so sometimes, uh, most of the time, he gets up in the middle of the night and comes and jumps in our bed. And what he does for the whole night is he sticks his feet up under your body so that the heaviness of your body will lay on, on him. And for some reason, he sticks his feet up under me more than he does Monica. I guess he's saying, I weigh more than Monica. That's fine, that's cool, bro, whatever. Um, but, but what we have noticed is that there are certain things that if, if we take them out of his diet, he actually does better, right? So, so, so uh, that's, a whole nother, that's a whole nother thought. But what I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is you cannot keep a steady diet of bad relationships and bad things and expect good results in your life. You're not strong, you're not that strong. That's why the Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. It doesn't say good company makes bad people good. Does it? If, you, if, you're, if you're just really good and you hang out with some bad people, you're gonna make them really good. No, because that's not how it works. It's easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up. So bad company has an effect on your life. So I guard my heart by, first of all, I have to guard who and what gets access to my heart. Here's the second thing. I guard my heart by obeying God immediately. I have to obey God immediately. Why is obedience so important? Obedience is important because Jesus said it's important. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And, and, and you know how important it is because you, you tell it to your kids. If you would have just obeyed me the first time, if you would have just listened the first time, it's the, it's, it's the first time. I'm, I'm after first time obedience. I'm after, I don't have to threaten you to get you to obey me. Like, I don't wanna have to take the car away from you to get you to obey me. I don't wanna have to keep taking your phone away to get you to obey me. I don't wanna have to take your Beyblades, Oliver. I don't wanna have to tell you can't watch SpongeBob to get you to obey me. 
But this, in the same way we parent, God will do the same thing to us. He, he, he will make it so that we respond in obedience. Obedience is important to God. The Old Testament says this. It's the obedient. It's the willing and obedient that eat the good of the land. He doesn't do it to harm us. He just knows that obedience really blesses us. James said it this way. He said, he said sometimes, sometimes you hear God's word, but all you do is hear it, and you don't put it into practice. The blessing is not in hearing it. See, you're not blessed because you showed up today. You're blessed if you take what you have heard and learned today, and you apply it on Monday. That's how, that's how it works. And so he says, some of you think, oh, man, I heard it. I'm blessed. No, no, you're not blessed because you hear. You're blessed because you obey. Amen. I know this sounds like an old-fashioned like tent revival sermon right now. Y'all are like, man, where'd this, where'd this uh, mean guy come from? Listen, listen this, is just, this is just very clearly what the Bible teaches us. Obey immediately. Obedience, obedience is an act of honor. I obey God because I honor God. I obey God because I trust God's word over mine. And if I don't obey immediately, then what happens is I don't, watch this, I, I start to, to misunderstand and misappropriate conviction for condemnation. Can I tell you this? Conviction and condemnation are two different things, but they can look like the same thing if you disobey long enough. They, they start to look like and feel like the same thing if you disobey long enough because conviction is literally God saying, hey, that is wrong, but not only is that wrong, but there's a better way. God never says, hey, that's wrong. See ya. No, God says, that is wrong. There's a better way for your life. Conviction is not a bad thing, but if you don't respond to him, then conviction will start to feel like condemnation because you get so trapped in your decisions that you feel like there's no way out and you have convinced yourself that this is the best way. And so when God says there's a better way, it feels like condemnation because you have made up in your mind that there isn't a better way, this is the best way. And can I tell you something? When your way disagrees with God's way, you are wrong. You are absolutely wrong every single time. You, you, you cannot go to God and be like, hey God, I know, I know that's bad, but can we, have a, can we have like a special exemption because of what I've been through? God, I, I know that's wrong, but can I have like a special exemption? You know, I didn't go to church until I was 30. God, I, I know that's bad, but can, can I like be exempt from that because, because this, is, this is really how I feel? This is what, this is what my emotions are telling me? And, and every time, Every time God says no, because that is not the best way for your life. There is a better way for your life. That's why God deals so much in the New Testament and the Old Testament even with sexual sin, because sexual sin is you saying, I know the best way for my life. And God says, no, this is not the best way for your life. The way I designed it, the way I created it, is the best way for your life. You are settling for a substitute. You are settling for something less than I called you to. 
I don't, I, I don't stop loving you because you settle, but I'm just telling you, this is not the best way for your life. You can act like it is all you want. You can be led by your emotions all you want. You can feel all the feelings in the world, but if it's not God's way, it is not the best way. Can I get an amen in 2019? In a world who has educated itself beyond the Bible, I know better than God. I know better than the Bible. I have, I have studied for myself, and I have, I have dissolved over 2,000 years of Bible teaching with this new revelation. Are you kidding me? Somebody comes to you and says, you know, the church has been wrong for 2,000 years on this. Let me tell you how I feel about it. You might want to question that person. If, if, if the majority and, and, and the seniority of theologians throughout history have agreed that the Bible says a certain thing, you might as well fall in line with what they say because to, to not would be an error on your part. You can twist scripture and you can make it do whatever you want to, but it still says what it says. And it's clear, it is, there are certain things that it is just absolutely clear on and you are left with your decision. Am I gonna obey God or am I gonna do what I wanna do? But don't, like, don't act like doing what you want to do is what God's best is for you. Don't do that. Go ahead and do what you want to do. That's on you. But never act like that's God's best for you. And never act like God is cool with something he says he's not cool with. All right, somebody, somebody's getting help right now. You have to respond to conviction. What does conviction feel like? In 1 Samuel 24 and 5, the Bible says this about David. He was being chased down by, by, by Saul, and, and Saul wanted him dead. And uh, David uh, had an opportunity to actually kill Saul. He, he goes into a, a cave, and Saul is going to the bathroom, and David is behind him, and he could have run up on him and just ended him right there. But the Bible says he instead, he goes up and he cuts a piece of his garment off just to let Saul know, hey, I was here. God begins to deal with his heart about, about putting his hands on Saul. And this is what the Bible says about David when he did that. The Bible says, and afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. His heart struck him. When was the last time your heart struck you? He said, that's wrong. If that's not happening, then you're not guarding it. Giving anything and everyone access. If that's not happening, then you're not guarding it. That's why the Bible would say about David, he's a man after my own heart. He's got a heart like, like me. Even in, even in all of his mistakes, even in all of the crazy stuff he did, God said, even when he did something so simple, he could have done worse. Has anybody ever, got, anybody ever made an excuse for what you did and said, I could have done worse? <laughs> oh man, you don't even know, Robbie. I could have done worse. You don't even know. Is, is that how we're gauging the condition of our heart? Like I could have ran over them, but I didn't. <laughs> That's how we're gauging it now. I could have killed them, but, but I just cussed them out and keyed their car. 
So that's how we're gauging our heart now. But God said David was struck in his heart because all he did was cut off a corner of his robe. That's it. You're like, oh, it's condemnation. You're, you're condemning us right now in our sin, Robbie. No, I'm not condemning you. Conviction will deal with you about the smallest, minute detail about your life that doesn't line up with who God is. Because some of you are like, oh, 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 he's, he's just talking about sexual sin. No, 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 no. Do you realize that God considers gossip just as much of an abomination as you do all those sexual sins that you don't commit? You're talking about people, well, it could be worse. I could be, I could be out there living, living like a lady of the night, but I keep it holy. I only go to clubs and sleep around every now and then. I'm not paid to do it. I do it for free. <laughs> okay, excuse me. And then like, we're like, I'm not, and that's, 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 what, that's what religious people do. That's what, that's what people like Moses with broken hearts do. Messed up, jacked up hearts. Well, I mean, I mean, at least, I, I, what? Where did, we, where did we discover that that's how God works? It's not how it works. You gotta guard our heart. I have to take issue with every part of me that doesn't look like God. Oh my goodness. Respond to conviction. I have to, third thing I have to do, I have to preach the gospel to myself. I have to preach the gospel to myself. See, when I preach the gospel to myself, one of the ways that this helps me is, is this helps me in the previous thought. This helps me respond to conviction. When the, no one can come to the Father on their own. It's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus says this. They must be drawn. The Spirit of God does the drawing. What else does the Spirit of God do? Jesus said, when I leave and when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to do what? He's going to convict the world of their sin. Can I say this? You have no idea you need a Savior if you don't know how lost you are in your sin. What do I need saving from? I need saving from myself. So I have to constantly preach the gospel to myself that tells me, I need to be saved from me. I need to be rescued from me. I need to be rescued from my own thoughts. I need to be rescued from my own evil ways. I need to be rescued from my own sin and my own desire. What happens to us when we get saved is, is completely opposite of what, what should happen to us. When we get saved, we, we lose sight of our sin and we, we gain sight of everybody else's sin. Why do we do that? We lose sight of the fact that the Holy Spirit comes to convict me of my sin. He didn't come to teach me how to discover sin in my wife. Because <laughs> I'm better at that than I am seeing it in myself. Isn't that why we do most of our arguing? Because we see them better than we see us? <laughs> 
But God said, I didn't come to help you see others better than you see you. I came to deal with you. Man, so I gotta preach the gospel, not just to the world, but I gotta preach the gospel to me because the gospel reminds me that without Jesus, I am lost. I am hopeless, I am helpless, I am a sinner in need of a savior, but because of Jesus, I have forgiveness of my sins, there is hope for my life, there is rescue for me, there is deliverance for me, there is healing for me, so I gotta preach the gospel to me. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David comes into a camp one day, and there's a group of people that have taken everything that he owns, and he's got these guys with him, and they're upset with him because they've been following him, and they've, they, they, they're, they're disturbed that this has happened because they've been following David. So the Bible says, hey, uh, these guys wanted to stone and kill David. Instead of David preaching the gospel to them, instead of David preaching the word to them, the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. And when David preached to himself, it brought courage to everybody else that was around him. See, you can't change the world by shouting at the darkness. You need to become a light. So you preach the gospel to you so that the gospel actually has an impact. See, that's what drives me crazy about the church is we get saved and we stop preaching the gospel to us, to me, and we start preaching it to everybody else. But I can't cannot yell at the darkness. I have to be the light that Jesus has designed me to be. That's how, that's how I preach the gospel. I preach it to me first. I declare it over my life first. And then when I've been encouraged in the Lord, then I'm, I'm, I'm ready to encourage others. Some of you can't preach the gospel because you don't believe it. It's not that you're afraid to preach it. You, you, you're not afraid to preach it. You, you don't truly believe it for yourself. You're not fully persuaded because anything you're fully persuaded about, you can't keep your mouth shut about. How do I know? CrossFit. <laughs> Crossfitters won't shut up. Hey, I threw a boulder around today. I flipped a tire and then I picked up a car and, and then I did 47,000 push-ups. And I'm like, that's great. That's great. And they're convinced of it. Why? Because it has worked for them. And I'm not gonna tell them they can't. Can you imagine me? My, my, my sister-in-law, Erica, she does CrossFit. Can you imagine me looking at Erica and be like, Psh, that's crazy. And then she just pick me up and throw me and prove it to me? <laughs> I can tell something works if your life looks like it works. It ain't hard for me to believe the gospel if your life looks like the gospel actually worked. You can come talking about CrossFit all you want, but you're like, yeah, CrossFit, I do it all the time. What? what? What is that orb in the front? There's no way you do CrossFit. What are you talking about? I go to the gym four times a week. What gym? Do you just sit out in your car and look at it and think like, You were like, I go to church. And they're like, you did? I'm a Christian. You are? Wow, I didn't even know that. Whew. Yeah, I have been for like, have you ever met somebody at church? And you're like, how long have you been coming? And they're like, 14 years. And you're like, oh, 
wow, you have been here a long time. Like I meet people like that all the time. With three services is crazy to people you don't meet and you see people out and, and, and I, I just stopped asking, how long you been coming to the church? Because it almost feels offensive. Like, how long you been coming to the church? And they're like, three years, bro. You're the pastor. You should know that. Like, didn't you get at least a letter about me? Like, <laughs> didn't something come across your desk with my name and my picture at some point? Like, <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so we preach the gospel. We encourage ourselves in the Lord. Will you stand with me? I'm gonna give you these last one, this last couple as we stand. We, we worship. That's how I guard my heart. I don't come to church to just observe songs being sung. Some people come to this church and they come to this church because it's like, oh, I really like the music. I'm like, that's cool, I'm glad we have nice music, but I hope you are engaging in what we call worship. This is, this is not a concert. These people up here are not performing for you. This is a worship service. This is, this is a worship, you come in here to worship. You come in here to, to, to lift your hands and to honor God and to focus on Jesus. And you sing the songs, not because like, oh, I like that jam. I like that. I like that beat. No, we are here to worship God. Why is worship so important for our heart? Because worship creates atmosphere. Let me give you a few atmospheres worship creates. Worship creates an atmosphere of recovery. Worship actually robs fear, discouragement, depression, heaviness, failure, and despair of its power. Psalm 30 and 11 says, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. Some of you need to dance because it's an exchange. Some of you are like, I don't dance, it's not my nature. Oh, really? Let me, let me talk to your friends. Oh, you, were, you, were, you, you, you did go to the nightclub. You, you did. But you don't dance, okay. No, some of, you, some of you need to dance because you need to make an exchange. And the exchange isn't fully made until you dance. A gift is not fully received until you use it. And God says, I wanna give you a dance for your morning, but you can't fully experience it until you dance. Woo, that's good, man. So it's like, I don't, want to, I don't want to move in church. I want to stay here like this. But then you go to UT game, you take your shirt off, you paint your chest orange. And, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not a passionate worshiper. Okay, let's go to your house and look at your Dallas Cowboys shrine. <laughs> you worship, you just, mm. Isaiah 61, three says, I want to, I want to give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So I can't, despair cannot leave until I put on the garment of praise. How do I get rid of despair? I praise. I don't just declare it, I praise. So it gives, it's, it, it creates an atmosphere of victory. Uh, so often in the Bible, we see God sending out, you remember Judah goes first. Judah's, Judah means praise. It's, it's a, it creates an atmosphere of victory. Judah didn't have have the weapons, they had, they, they had their mouth, which was their weapon. 
So they, they praised and they worshiped before the battle was fought. It creates an atmosphere of healing, of, of healing. The Bible teaches us that people, they just wanted, they, they all got so on, Jesus would be just so pushed in by the crowds because they, they knew if they could get near him, they could be healed. That's what the presence of God does. That's why we come to church. I don't just come to church to fulfill a religious obligation, just be here and check off a box. No, I, I came this morning because some part of me needs to be healed that isn't healed yet. And so I press into worship because that's what they would do. They would press into Jesus. We talk so much about the woman with the issue of blood, right? But can I tell you something? She doesn't get healed if she stays in her house. The only way she gets healed is if she presses in. That day, Jesus didn't come to her house. He was walking through the street. So she said, I've got to get where Jesus is. So we come to church because it's a representation of the woman with the issue of blood. I'm not going to wait for him to just come to my house. I'm going to go to where I know he is. And so I press in. So don't get all the way here and not make your way to Jesus. Don't get all the way through this crowd and walk all the way up that hill to just stand here and observe. You better press in and get what Jesus can give you. It gives me clarity. In 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15, the, the, the people of God were, were at war. We, uh, Jabin just preached a message about this, about digging ditches. What happens though at the beginning of this story is very powerful. The, the king needed a word from God, so he called for a prophet. And the prophet says this, he says, bring me someone who's skillful with the harp. He said, I wanna worship God, because if I don't worship God, I won't be able to get a clear word. Some of you, you come and you, you hear the preaching, but it's not clear to you, why? Because you didn't worship. You stand outside the building and you come for the word, or you show up late to worship. I need to get that word, but you can't get the clarity of the word if you don't worship first. Somebody better help me in here today. It's, it creates an atmosphere of God's love. The Bible says this. It says that Zephaniah said it this way in 317, Zephaniah 317. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. How many of you need some peace and quiet? Guard your heart with worship. Guard your heart with worship. And remember, I told you a request is a praise. That's why the Bible says this. It says, make your request known to God and, and by prayer and supplication, by all types of prayer. And when you do that, then the peace of God that passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. You need peace, make a request. It's an act of worship. That's good, it'll quiet you. Lastly, it's 10.07, I need to say this quickly. Invest in the right things. Matthew 6 and 21 says this, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart isn't in it because you haven't invested in it. Some people say when it comes to, to prayer and timing God's word that it's about quality over quantity. Sometimes you can't get to quality until you've done it a lot, until you go through the door of quantity. <laughs> Come on, somebody. For some of you, it's not about quality. It is about quantity. You need more time because when you invest more time, you're more invested in it. And when you're invested in it, you love it more. 
That's why people can talk about your kids and you want to kill them. You could say the same thing and think the same thing about your kid, but they say it and you want to hurt them. Why? Because they haven't invested in your kid like you've invested. You don't know my kid. Who are you to talk about my kid? You didn't feed them. You didn't change their diaper. And you're like, they are crazy, but you can't call them crazy. That's why when people get, on, get online or do anything or I hear so, so-and-so said this about you or so-and-so said, I, that opinion doesn't have weight with me because there's no investment for that opinion to have weight. You keep giving your heart to people who have no, made no investment into your heart. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. You keep giving yourself away to a guy who's not willing to make an investment in you. Ooh, okay. All right, I need an hour and 45 minutes. But let's pray.